welcome to T21 Mom. Hi friends and welcome to episode 92 of the T21 Mom podcast. My name's Mary and I'll be your host. And on today's episode, I am talking with another rocket mom, Kristen Condon. And we are talking about something that I think is so important for us mamas or for any of us parents, especially parents of kids with some additional needs and it's all about self-care. I learned so much from talking to Kristen. She's got this really doable eight-step strategy, if you want to call it that, and, you know, about how we can incorporate self-care, like every day. It's not just going out once a week or once a month, but how we can incorporate it into our daily living. So let's go and have a listen. Today on the T21 Mom podcast, I'm talking with another rockin' mom, Kristen Condon. I think Kristen does a lot for what us mamas need. She is a life coach, meditation teacher, and I didn't know this existed, but a Marie Kondo trained professional organizer which I think I need. (laughs) Welcome, Kristen. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I'm more than excited to have you. And I'm really looking forward to our conversation today, because I think it's something very needed in our community. It's self care for us, for us special needs mamas. But before we get started, you know, I gave you a little bit of an introduction, but maybe you can tell us a little bit about you and your family and how you became involved in this. Sure, absolutely. So uh, I'm a single mom. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been divorced for about 10 years now, and I have three kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, they range from 15 to 20. And my middle child, my son, Matthew, has Down syndrome. And, you know, when he was first born, I, I didn't know he had Down syndrome. We found out after he was born or right at his birth. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, it was it was really rough for a few years there, really rough. Mm-hmm. And uh, between, I mean, as you know, that the medical issues at the beginning can be really challenging. He didn't sleep very well. <laughs> and just, just, you know, adjusting to this new life. It was just a lot. And I, I really floundered around for a while. Mm-hmm. And over the years, you know, I tried this, I tried that trial and error. And I got back on my feet and I, I really wanted to figure out a way that I could help other moms who were in the same situation, uh, feel better Mm -hmm. and kind of metabolize what had happened and, and move forward and feel empowered and not feel like, you know, this is it. And Mm -hmm. somehow it's a negative thing, but to Mm -hmm. find the positive and move forward and and uh, be empowered. So long story short, I had been actually a speech and language pathologist for about (laughs) 20 years. Uh, And I didn't realize it, but I was really coaching moms then in early intervention. A lot of what I loved doing was was helping the moms adjust to their new world. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'd actually been doing it. I just didn't realize it. And then I actually went back and became a life coach. I studied with Martha Beck, uh, who also has a son with Down Mm -hmm. syndrome. And became a meditation teacher. And I uh, trained with Marie Kondo to do the decluttering because I just absolutely so drawn to the, you know, that simple, intentional living, just so soothing to me. And so now <laughs> that's what I'm doing. I'm I'm using those skills plus everything I learned trial and error over the early years to help moms who have kids with disabilities to uh, take care of themselves, to empower themselves and realize, you know, kind of reclaim their own Mm -hmm. selves aside from their role as a mom. That Uh, is fantastic. So I know you, your focus is a lot on self-care and these days everyone's talking about self-care. I almost want to say it's kind of trendy, but as a special needs parent, why do you think this is so important? I think we all know the answer, but why do you think it's so important? Right. And I think you're right. It's totally trendy right now. <laughs> it's a little cliched. Yeah. Um, I was just talking about it the other day on an IG 
real where I think it's kind of a shame because it's so important. And yet I think because it's so trendy, people are kind of poo-pooing it and yeah. throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And it's, I think we just kind of need a new paradigm about it. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I think, I think it's, it's trendy now because the pandemic, I think it just was so hard for moms. It really exposed mm-hmm. how, um, that, that invisible labor of moms and how, you know, how much we're juggling and that it doesn't take much to just completely, you know, upset the apple cart. And I think for, and also that, um, the idea of the perfect mother, the, the (laughs) self-sacrificing martyr mother, like that's just been real, I think really come to the surface Mm -hmm. even Mm -hmm. more. And I think for moms who have a kid with a disability, that is just, it's even bigger. I know for myself, the pandemic was brutal. I mean, Mm -hmm. when it first started, the issues I was dealing with, um, with my son were different from another kind Mm -hmm. of parent who had a teenager, completely different. You know, I really needed to monitor him and be available and assist with the, you know, all of the online schooling. So it was just a very stressful time. It was horrible. It was horrible. It was horrible. I think we're all a little, you know, really thrown off by it. But Mm -hmm. I I think one of the good things is that it did highlight the need for, we really need to look at this differently. And we need to look at self care a little differently. It's not about a bubble bath and a good nap. I mean, I love a bubble bath and a good nap. Trust me, I'm not not saying those are bad. Um, But it needs to go deeper than that. Mm -hmm. Uh, It needs to go wider than that. And I think, you know, when you're in a long-term caregiving um, situation like we are. I mean, mm-hmm. we're, we're long haulers. This is, we're in it for yeah. forever. And the cortisol, elevated cortisol, the stress of that really takes a toll on our bodies and on our hearts and souls. Mm-hmm. And if we are going to be able to continue caring for our children and our families in a way that feels in integrity for us, we need to take care of ourselves. It's really important. I, somewhere I saw a t- statistic where the cortisol levels of a mom with a child, I think, who is autistic, are like the same as some uh, a soldier in battle. Yes, like, I've heard that. Really high. Um, yeah, it just can't be good. <laughs> it no, be for us. And so there's there's that piece of it, but I also think we need to start talking more about we deserve to feel good. Mm-hmm. You know, we, it's not just about, oh, we need to put on the oxygen mask so we can take care of somebody else better. <laughs> we, mm-hmm. we deserve to have joy and pleasure and fun of our own. That's uh, aside from being a mom, aside mm-hmm. from being a, a wife or a girlfriend or a daughter or a sister, whatever and I, I think we really, we deserve that. And I think we feel so guilty about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, I really want to change that. It's really important to me. So oh. that's, that's we, why I think it's important. Yeah. Well, we definitely need people like you, you know, because you're right. I, I think the pandemic really heightened things for us, special needs moms and, you know, just, like you said, like, yeah, it is kind of trendy, this whole self-care, but I think for us, it is much deeper than like what it might be for someone who has a typical child. Like, cause you said like we're long haulers. And so, you know, we got to be taking care of ourselves for the long term. Cause that's exactly. what I, like, that's what I keep telling myself too. And so and you've come up with something that I thought was really fantastic. And when I was reading it, I just kept saying, yes, yes. Like I like, yes, I could do this. And, and this is exactly what I need. And you call it the self-care blueprint for burned out mamas. And it involves like eight steps of self-care. And I mean, we can go through the different steps, but how did you come to, I guess, formulate that or put that together? Yes. Well, I, the seed of it came from an article I had read about, um, it was called the seven types of rest. And it was this mom who was also a physician. She had young children and she could not crawl out of the burnout and the feelings of just pure exhaustion, no matter what she tried, she was 
you know, sleeping and, you know, eating well and doing, you know, the obvious things and Mm -hmm. she couldn't get out of it. And so she did some research and she realized that rest is more than, you know, getting good quality sleep or eating well. There's so much more to resting our bodies and resting our hearts and souls. And it just gave me the idea of, oh, that's, that's it. You know, Mm -hmm. there's, just being able to see self-care as more holistic and Mm -hmm. deeper, um, more varied. And it's really, I think of it as a way of being Mm -hmm. rather than something you're doing. If that makes sense, it's really something you kind of learn to embody. Mm -hmm. And it's a way of relating to yourself from a compassionate kind, gentle vantage point, um, mm-hmm. rather than I've got to get up at five and I'm going to meditate and, you know, kind of this yeah. more prescriptive that I've got to do these things almost out of a, because I'm not good enough rather than I want to take care of myself. I really want to nourish myself from a place of really loving yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that was where the idea came from and I've tweaked it a bit and added and, and uh, really individualized it to to moms who have kids with disabilities, which is a, it's a unique, a really unique caregiving experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just has its own own needs, its own you know things that are challenging that are just yeah. not the same. They're just a little different, or a lot different sometimes. Lot different, yeah. yeah, I mean, I only have the one child, so I don't have the experience with a typical child, but I can appreciate that. That is, that it's much different. I mean, I have nieces and nephews, you know, who are older than my daughter. So, and I've been with them since they were babies. So I get it. Like it is very different. And I think we do have to make that effort. I think more so to take care of ourselves, you know, just for all the reasons. And, you know, when I was reading through them, like I found for the most part, they were all very achievable and, but we don't just do one step. Like we need to incorporate all of them. Right. 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 And I think for some of us, some of the areas are a little more natural or maybe Mm -hmm. we're already doing some of that um, kind of self-care and then other Mm -hmm. areas might be like, Hmm, that could be something I could really develop. That's something that's not really alive for me in my life right now. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm actually in the I'm trying to create almost like a little mini assessment that someone could take and figure out, you know, which, which types of self-care could use more support and what Mm -hmm. you can do to do that. So that's to be, to be uh, continued, but that might help someone identify because it could be overwhelming to be like, Oh my gosh, I need to do all these eight things. What do you mean? Um, But to be able to kind of see, Oh, I really, this creative self-care could be an area I really could focus on or, the spiritual self-care might be something that I could really focus on. That's not, not really alive for me in my life right now. So. And should we be doing all of the steps every day? I mean, I think, I think you always want to be careful not to overwhelm. We don't want Mm -hmm. to overwhelm ourselves or feel like it's like, Oh, I have to do this. Or again, coming from that sense of like, I should, I should do that. I should do that. Because whenever we're saying should, there's almost a sense of shame in there, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's a sense of, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not being good enough if I don't do this. So for for my clients, I really try to start small, you know, mm-hmm. take a turtle step. Maybe there's one area you want to focus on and make it, you know, many of these things, I just, I don't even think about them anymore. I just do them. Mm-hmm. They're just kind of part of who I am now that mm-hmm. they don't feel like something I'm doing. Um, they're just sort of um, integral to my life. So that's really the hope is that, you know, slowly but surely these, these ways of caring for oneself become intuitive. They become mm-hmm. integrated and automatic. Um, I felt that like in, you know, and we can go through the steps, but like when I was going through them, I go, yeah, I could see that. Like, I didn't find most of them were not like unattainable, I guess, for lack of a better word. Like I felt like I could do these and 
that I could, like you said, incorporate them into my like daily life. Like, I mean, can't remember which step it's in, but one of them was how am I feeling right now during the day? I mean, anyone can do that at any moment. And, you know, so I've been like practicing that, like mostly when I'm at work, right. Right. But just to kind of feel a bit more centered, but so, yeah, I, I found like, I can, yeah, I can do this. Like, you know, so if I can do it, I'm sure lots of other moms could also do it too. So now we can go through the steps. Like what's the first step? The first step is sure. physical, which seems very obvious, but there's lots of variety. Can you share what these are? Absolutely. So I think we often, when we think of physical self-care, we, we're immediately thinking of a good night's sleep, which for some of us, I mean, I I work with a mom right now who she's not likely to get a good night's sleep for a while. You know, she's she's a solo parent. She has mm-hmm. a child who needs to be have their um, tube feeding in the middle of, you know, that she's not going to get a really great night's sleep for a while. That's not realistic for her. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, to have other ways that we can tend to our bodies other than sleep. So sometimes we need almost to do something really active. I, I absolutely swear by this streaming class. It's called the class. I absolutely love it. It's Mm -hmm. so great for my body, but it activates me. It's gets me energized Mm -hmm. or maybe, you know, I'm, I'm menopausal. So I'm like starting (laughs) to lift weights. (laughs) I need to lift weights. It feels great. Um, so maybe I want to take a nap, but Sometimes what actually is more caring to my body is to do something activating and energizing. And for each of us, that's going to be something different. And you have to sift and sort what, you know, what your secret um, sauce is going to be for that. And sometimes it could be how you tend to your body, like, Mm -hmm. you know, getting a good haircut. But I I mean, putting on moisturizer could be that basic, but I, I know I've been in in periods of my life when I've been in, you know, Uber caregiving mode where I was too busy putting moisturizer on my son because he got eczema. <laughs> you know, I, my <laughs> skin was, I was full of eczema, but oh, well, all I was doing was taking care of him. Right. Um, so, you know, it can be that basic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't have to be huge. You know, sometimes the smallest, the smallest steps can be the most meaningful when we do them every day, mm-hmm. or it could just be, you know, taking a shower every day, making sure you take the shower every day. I know there's mm-hmm. times where the kids are sick or something's happening and, and those things, those basic bodily care just goes out the window. So it can be just that simple. Yeah. Cause I remember when my daughter was a baby, cause you know, I was a single mom by choice. You have a lovely partner now, but in those early years, like, well, and her first year of life, that's the one thing I did do every day was I did have a shower because I go, this is my 15 minutes where it's just me. And it felt good. It felt good because I was so overwhelmed with everything. I mean, I knew she had Down syndrome before she was born, but just the first year was, I always tell people it was the best year of my life, but it was also the hardest, you know, and I'm sure we can all relate to that in many ways. Absolutely. Absolutely. For sure. And also really sort of, I guess, trendy. I don't really like that word is the number two in your eight. I don't know if steps is the right word, but is the mental self care. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I think this sounds, it seems rather obvious that we obviously need to take care of our mental health, but I think there is so much more to it. Can you, can you elaborate on this a bit? Absolutely. So I think of it in two ways. There's, there's the, our mental self care that relates to how we manage all of the details that we're juggling because there's doctor's appointments, there's IEP meetings, there are, you know, everything related, related to school. Uh, it's just so many details and they're, they're clogging up our brain. It's really, <laughs> it can just be really uh, hard to manage all of that. So I think it's really important to find a way to organize all of that information, get it out of your head and onto paper or in a digital planner or whatever, and, and have some system to manage all of that information because 
it's, it's dizzying to keep it all in your head. And uh, so that's a piece of it. The other piece of it is what are our thoughts? Our, what are our limiting beliefs? Things mm-hmm. that, that we're thinking that are not supportive and helpful to us. Mm-hmm. And some of that can relate to this sense of being the perfect mom or, well, if I'm the perfect mom, then I'm going to do 40 hours of ABA every week. Or I'm, you know, there's this sort of, I should do that. I should do that. And I, I think this, I think that. And it's, it becomes this, this overwhelming should that it's just not supportive and helpful to us. And so, you know, I think it's really important to have sense of the thoughts that really have almost been like implanted, <laughs> like they aren't mm-hmm. ours. They're, they're sort of like things that we, we feel like we should be doing, but inside they don't really resonate. And through coaching, you can unearth what, what those things are and kind of pull them out, examine them and realize, oh, that's just a thought. It's not actually the truth. You know, we think our thoughts are the truth, but in reality, they're just, they're just thoughts. They're kind Mm -hmm. of made up in a sense and to really have a sense of that. And I had also, we had, you had mentioned that you liked the worry journal idea Mm -hmm. and, you know, that can be a great way to kind of get all of this out of your head, you know, and get it onto paper and, and help process it a little bit, get a little space from it. Cause sometimes mm-hmm. we, we're so blended with it. Yeah. We just get lost in it. But if you mm-hmm. can kind of put it on paper and kind of get it out a little bit, get a little perspective, things can shift a little bit. You mm-hmm. can feel a little space. You can feel, get a little perspective. Yeah. I, I, cause I'd never heard of that term before a worry journal. We all have heard of a gratitude journal, but I think, again, like as a special needs parent or mom, we have different concerns and different worries for our kids who, who have differing abilities. So yeah, I think it's good like to just, you know, get it down and, and it can sort of be like separate from like, if you like to journal, like separate from that, you know, right? that's just your place that you go to when you want to, I guess, unload, I guess, what's on your mind. Cause exactly. Because sometimes it can get really overwhelming. Like It can. And you know? I think when it's just stuck in your head, you can just keep ruminating and ruminating mm-hmm. and ruminating. And, and, and I think to go right to gratitude sometimes when we are having so many worries and fears is, is kind of a spiritual bypass. But if we mm-hmm. can honor those feelings of being worried and feeling the fear and see it, acknowledge it, then we can kind of move on to gratitude, right? Like, yeah. and it and it feels real. It's it's genuine rather than I'm just going to put on a happy face and make this fine, even though inside I'm freaking <laughs> out about oh my god, what's going to happen when they're you know yeah up and what is going to happen you know. And I have to say, now that he, my son is 18, most of the things I worried about have not materialized, right? Like, <laughs> oftentimes they it's yeah it's you know, it's, it doesn't quite play out the way you think it's going to. Mm -hmm. I, I've heard that a lot. And, and actually that makes me feel better actually. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think we all, you know, worry to various degrees about the future and our kids and how it's all going to play out. But, uh, and your next one is emotional self-care. Now, what exactly is this and how does it differ from mental self-care? Right. So uh, mental self-care is really your thoughts okay. um, and your, and the emotional is about your feelings. So okay. uh, often what happens, and this is sort of a, I'm getting life coachy here, but so you have mm-hmm. a circumstance, circumstance gives you a, a thought, you know, something happens. I have a thought about it. And that thought leads me to feel a certain way. Okay. Uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. And then you act a certain way or you don't act. Okay. So something, ha- okay. My, uh, maybe, um, my child, uh, wasn't invited to a birthday party. Mm-hmm. I have the thought that he's never, ever going to be invited to a birthday party. Mm-hmm. Like, he's never going to have friends. Like I, I've jumped here. Right. That's like, yeah. that's my thought. 
And now I feel hopeless, blah, blah, blah. And maybe I start to give up. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, so it causes this cascade of, of, um, thoughts, feelings, action, inaction. So to be able to really sit with our feelings is separate from those thoughts and really checking in with how we feel. And we're so, I think we're so quick to catapult ourselves out of difficult feelings. We just, it's like, whoosh, I just want to get away from the bad feelings. I'm going to, I'm going to pick up my phone. I mean, I'm a master of this, but like you just pick up the phone. Oh, I'll just scroll Instagram for a second, or I'm going to get really busy. I'm just, oh, I'm so busy, you know, because (laughs) I just don't want to feel any of my feelings. Mm. And I think when we do that, we're, we really lose touch with ourselves. Mm. And when we lose touch with ourselves, we can't really take good care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And you know, it kind of goes back to the Brené Brown quote where she says, you can't, you can't selectively numb certain feelings. You can't say, well, I'm just not going to feel the bad feelings. I just want to feel the good feelings. She says, you can't, like, if you numb the bad feelings, you're also numbing joy, you numb pleasure, you numb all of that. It Mm -hmm. all goes away. And so in order to really take care of ourselves, we have to be willing to sit with all of it. And that can be really hard to do. And a lot of, we resist it, but like you were doing, just checking in, gee, how am I feeling right now? You know, maybe you set an alarm on your phone. It goes off at 12 every day and just, it asks you, how how are you feeling? You know, Mm -hmm. what is, what are you feeling in your body? How is your, your feeling state right now and really checking in with yourself because it's a guidepost too, right? It, right. I'm, oh, I'm feeling angry. Well, what am I angry about? Well, maybe I need to be setting a boundary. Hmm, okay. That's really good information. Or maybe I'm feeling sad. I don't know, you know, whatever. And that might lead you to do something differently or, wow, I feel, I feel great today. I feel really joyful because mm-hmm. X, Y, or Z happened. So it's just a, so important for us to be in touch with how we're feeling. And I think it's also huge to really give space to the grief. Mm-hmm. And again, I think that's such a taboo subject in our, in our culture. And especially as moms, I think it's, we feel so guilty saying that we have grief about mm-hmm. this experience, but I mm-hmm. think by not expressing it, it gets stuck, you know, it yeah. just gets and then you can't move forward. And there's a wonderful, um, there's a man named David Kessler, and he, he talks about the stages of grief, and he added a stage to the typical stages. And the final one is finding meaning. And I think we can't get to that point of finding meaning and moving forward without feeling all those other stages, anger and bargaining and depression, all of that. And so I, I just think it's it's really important and a big part of our care for ourselves. Yeah, because you mentioned about in that uh, stage about the grief journaling, and mm-hmm. I thought that was really interesting. And and I, I agree that it is a like a little bit taboo, but which I think is unfortunate because I think we need to acknowledge the grief. It doesn't mean that we're unhappy or, or, or sad. I found for me, like it, it kind of ebbs and flows and um, it sort of comes back a little bit more now as she's older. And I see that the gaps are wider and things are just different than when she was younger. But, you know, how does like a grief journal differ really from a worry journal? I think I know the answer, but I'm curious as to what you have to say. Sure. I mean, I think it's really, the grief journal is really focused on the feelings of loss Mm -hmm. and what they've shown is part of grieving is um, that it needs to be witnessed. It's a really healing part of the process. So I think first it needs to be witnessed by ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's important to set aside that time to feel those 
feelings of anger and loss and they're complicated, you know, Mm -hmm. and I, I agree. I mean, while in some ways it's easier now, but I, I'm, I'm in a phase right now with my son turning 18 and we just did all the guardianship, et cetera, et cetera. You know, he's, you know, aging out of certain programs. It's, it's a different world all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm feeling kind of a new wave of, of grieving. Mm -hmm. And how we say it, it's the grief that never quite ends, right? There's mm-hmm. all, there's kind of something new to grieve along the way. And yeah. it's almost like, I feel like the grief journal is, it's almost like building the muscle of grieving. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds kind of strange, but I think we get better at it. I think we mm-hmm. get better at just going, oh God, this hurts. This mm-hmm. hurts. And acknowledging it, sharing it with someone, telling the story of what hurts. And then it somehow kind of lifts. There's something mm-hmm. that lifts, but when we stuff it, it just stays. And I think our body lives it. Like our body feels heavy or maybe you get an ache or pain somewhere that just kind of came out of nowhere. I swear it's our body just <laughs> saying, would you just feel the feelings? <laughs> just feel the feelings, please. <laughs> I... I agree. Yeah. Cause it's some days it's just hard, like, you know, and I feel that really only other special needs parents kind of understand like where I'm coming from. I, I think others have good intentions, uh, but they don't really understand because like you said, like we're long haulers, like I never really thought of it in that term, but it's, fits perfectly that you know it doesn't mean that the grief is always there it just it's going to come and go and and that's what I have found for me and it just and finding a way to sort of deal with that at that time and I mean and I also loved in that in that section about like one of the things to do is just putting our phones away you know we can all do that and we all probably spend way too much time on our phones but just yeah. but they're know. distracting. They take yeah. us out of our, out of our emotions. They take us out of our body. And, uh, and sometimes that's okay. We need, you need to grieve in bursts. It can't be all at once necessarily. It, you know, I think it is good to kind of take it slow and take mm-hmm. it in pieces. Um, and Hey, you know, I, I am, I have thoroughly enjoyed my, recent evenings of watching 1883 on having a glass of champagne and a little thing of popcorn. It's a great little escape. We need those things too. Mm -hmm. Um, But then to make space for some of the, the emotional processing too. Yes, most definitely. Now you also talked about spiritual self-care and you know, lots of people will say, well, I'm not spiritual or I don't have a belief or whatever, but you know, why is this important, this this type of self-care? I think this one's really key, or it has been for me. And, and you know, what works for me isn't necessarily going to work for everybody. Mm-hmm. But um, I think some people might relate or, or find some peace in this. But uh, I, I needed to make sense of what this really meant, you know, what, why, why has this happened? Mm-hmm. What does it mean? What does it even mean um, for someone to have a disability? And, and what does it mean to unconditionally love a, a child? Like truly, I feel like when you have a child who is not, you know, the quote unquote, perfect child, mm-hmm. although I would argue that's not true, but, um, you know, it's, you really tap into unconditional love mm-hmm. and what that really means to love someone and accept someone for exactly who they are, not what they appear to be. And I think a lot of parents, and again, this is another taboo subject, but you know, a lot of parents get a lot of their identity from what their kids do. Mm -hmm. 
where they go to college, what they're, you know, if they're on the honor roll or, you know, what, what their achievements are. Mm -hmm. And I felt like having Matthew in my life really cut through all of that. And I found a deeper meaning in, in spiritual meaning and in really fully embracing and accepting him for who he was Mm -hmm. not bringing my own preconceived notions of what he should be or shouldn't Mm -hmm. be. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, cause I really loved in when I was going through the different sections, the, um, the one point that you had was ask yourself, what have I learned since my child was born? And I thought that was pretty powerful actually, because like I always tell people like that my daughter made me into the person I was always meant to be. I, I mean, I didn't, I don't think most of us ever imagine that we're going down this road. I mean, there's people who choose to adopt children with uh, disabilities, but most of us, you know, like I had a prenatal diagnosis, you did not, you know, we're kind of thrown into this. And, you know, I used to wonder like, am I cut out to do this? Can I even do this? I mean, I was on my own. I had no parents, you know, I didn't have a lot of um, support. So it was really, really scary. But I think you also find like just such a, a, I, for me anyways, like a strength and that I can do hard things and, you know, and just, I mean, and we all talk about when we have a child with, you know, a different ability that generally makes us more compassionate to others and understanding and so on like that, you know, and I do think that that's also what she's brought to me is, is all those things. So yeah, it's, yeah, I think it's pretty, it's pretty powerful. And I don't, I I'm willing to bet a lot of us don't necessarily ask that question. Right. You know, and I think it, it just brings a whole other layer of meaning and depth. And um, yeah, I mean, there's a whole, in a way it's like, it's such a gift and I don't mean to bypass the difficult parts because it is difficult at Mm -hmm. times, but I feel like, wow, look at all that these other parents don't have access to like, (laughs) you know, they, they don't have this gift. I mean, in Matthew, I, he is so accepting of others and forgiving of others and so in the present moment, like, and just so, oh, what's the word? Like innocent, I guess, mm-hmm. like so, so wants to just believe in the goodness of everything it really it Mm -hmm. sounds sort of cliche but it's just infectious I mean it's just he's just so joyful often to be around I mean he's also just a human being like everybody else and Mm -hmm. has his moments but I feel like I'm with another worldly being sometimes in (laughs) a beautiful way you know and he is different like I don't everyone oh well he's just the same way he's he's not quite, he's a little different. He's a different viewpoint. He doesn't have the same sense of how things look, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't have that mask. It's yeah. so beautiful. It's so beautiful to be around. And I, I feel uh, it's part of this spiritual awakening, I mm-hmm. think, to be open to all of what he brings to my life. And whether it's through, you know, a faith of some sort. I I personally um, meditate and really believe in practice of compassion and self-compassion and and all that that brings, but it's up to everyone has their own path here. And, but I think it's important to find it. I think it makes it, it makes this journey a lot easier, Mm -hmm. easier. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I thought, yeah, like I said, I, it, hadn't really thought of it that way when, until I, until I read that. So, and now the next one, 
is environmental self-care and and it's not about saving the environment (laughs) but I mean rather more about our own personal environment like where we live and probably work and I was surprised to find that I actually already do many things you listed, such as making my bed every morning. I'm actually very finicky about that. Like, you know, I have to make all the beds, you know, my daughter's bed and my bed, but I can definitely do better. Like, is this where some of the Marie Kondo comes in? Definitely. I still have that, (laughs) that slant in my background, but I just think our surroundings make such a they make such a difference on us. And I'm not sure we're always aware of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, how how do you feel when you open the door to your home? How how does it feel? Does it feel restorative to you? Does it feel welcoming? Is it, um, you know, how is your, what does your bedroom feel like? Is it, does it support sleeping? Does it support that rejuvenation? Or, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes just cleaning out my car, like, my car might yeah. just get a little, a little out of hand. And I just spend like five minutes just pulling, you know, getting the trash out and kind of just tidying it up a, for a moment. And it's like, oh, I just whew, reset button feels so much better. You know, everyone has a different response to clutter. Everyone, some yeah. people are neat kind of, it, it feels better to have a certain amount for other people. They need less. It can be overstimulating. So it's finding out what works for you, or it could just be, uh, I I live near the ocean, so I love walking to the beach. It mm-hmm. is just an immediate recharge for me, and just being around the sounds of the birds and and seeing, you know, the water first happening outside. Just it really rejuvenates me. Or it could just be, you know, flowers in the house or mm-hmm. grabbing that, you know, we have these, you know, the winter cattails or whatever, and mm-hmm. you know, just clip one and put it in a vase, just some sense of beauty or nature. It just, it, it's so rejuvenating. And again, for everybody that's going to be different, but um, really paying attention to how our environment is supporting us or not supporting us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like that idea. I thought like it, cause you said like even one bloom and I thought right. we can all do one bloom. It doesn't have to be a huge expensive bouquet. It can just be one or even two flowers, you know? And so I thought, okay, I can start doing that. Like, you know, and that actually kind of brought me joy, like thinking about that. And then I can, you know, it's like, yeah, I can start that. I could start looking, you know, just bringing in some beauty from the outside. So again, like, I mean, and we can talk near the end, but like the different uh, suggestions that you had for each step, like they're, they're not hard. They're not overwhelming, but I think it just allows us to focus more on, you know, and then making it sort of becoming part of our routine where it doesn't seem so overwhelming all the time to do self, you know, quote self-care, right. Just becomes part of your everyday life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, the one that I had like probably the hardest one when I was reading them was the social self-care. And I think this is a big one and perhaps one of the hardest ones, but what are some ideas for this? Sure. I mean, what is it? Right. And I, I mean, I think the sense of isolation is, is something I hear almost the most frequently of what's, Mm -hmm. what can be the hardest about um, having a child with a disability. And so, you know, this, this part of ourselves is, is really important. You know, this sense of no one understands me or Mm -hmm. um, even so, I mean, this kind of shocks me. I don't know if you've noticed this in some Facebook groups with moms who have kids with disabilities and the mom will start a post and it'll say, please don't judge me. I, I just, I know. it hurts my heart. Yeah. But even within our own community, people feel they need to say that. I see that more and more and more. It's shocking to me. Mm-hmm. Um, makes me so sad, but I think, you know, we need Social self-care is about feeling a sense of belonging, feeling a sense of connection. Mm -hmm. And it's also about um, setting boundaries and asking for help. I think Mm -hmm. that's another big part of is how are are we able to ask for help 
are we able to allow people to help us? I know I can, especially as a single mom, I can get very like, well, I got it. I'm all set. You know, yeah. <laughs> I don't need any help. You know, you're so, you kind of, as a defense mechanism, get kind yeah. of like, I got it. I got it. I don't want any help. Like I, I can do it myself. Yeah. And it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. And sometimes even, I, I mean, I, I'm not always as good about this as I, as I want to be, but even if I have the kids do something to help me, whether it's, it could be the smallest thing, Matt could just vacuum a room or something. And I feel so much lighter. I feel so much better. I feel so much more supported. Yes. Even just that small thing that he did to help me and, or folded the laundry and it it just, I feel buoyed. Um, So I think, part of the social self-care is, is asking for and accepting help. Part of it's being able to set boundaries with other Mm -hmm. people, being able to, you know, really tune in. Do I really want to spend time with that person? Do I, do I feel better when I'm around them? Do I not feel better when I'm around them? Do I need some time to myself? How can I get some time to myself? And then I think the ability to find someone that we can really share what it's like. And that can Mm -hmm. be really vulnerable Mm -hmm. to find that person who you, you really share what it's like, but I think we need to feel known. We need to feel seen. It's, Mm -hmm. it's innate in us. Uh, And I, so that is another big piece of the social self care. So that one's a little more complicated. Mm-hmm. It's not quite so simple. Um, it's definitely something that takes time. Um, but I think it's really, really important. Really important. Yeah. Like I, I think it's been going for about a year now. Um, our local organization, the Down Syndrome Resource Foundation, they started a parent group. And initially it was like six weeks and I think they brought in like, um, like different speakers and stuff like that. But then actually the woman who started it, her goal was for it to just become like a parent group. And so now we meet every other week and, you know, I, I, I love that sense of community where, and we can all share and be open and, you know, some weeks, some people talk, some weeks, others talk, you know, but yeah, I feel like we do need to find that support system somewhere because I think it's also important to know we're not on this journey alone. Yeah, because it can it can be hard at times. <laughs> Very and and it changes over time, mm-hmm. depending yeah. on our child and yeah, there's so many factors and it it does it ebbs and flows over time. Yeah, um, definitely, like, especially like you know. Like, like your son, Matthew, he's 18 now. So your, you know, your needs are probably different than maybe mine where my daughter's 10. So yeah, I think it's important, but I'm also looking at the parents with the older kids. Cause I want to know what's coming. <laughs> right. Right. And then their social life becomes, you know, part of it too, but that's a whole other podcast. Episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's been in the back of my mind. So <laughs> And the next one was uh, sensory self-care. And, you know, you talk about regulation. And why is this one so important? Well, it's funny. We always spend so much time talking about our children and their sensory systems, sensory needs and all of that. But, you know, I always laugh because I feel like we're no different. We, I mean, every human being has sensory needs. That's how we process the world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's, you know, really important to to realize, you know, what what your sensory needs are as a human being. Personally, I like quiet. I need mm-hmm. my quiet. If I don't get it, I get really off. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I, it can just be a morning to myself, and I'm like back to normal again. Just need that quiet. Um, right now, I have my, you know, I have a candle with a little you know, lavender oil. I just, it just relaxes me, makes me feel good. Could be what you choose to wear on your body. It could be uh, what you cook to eat. It could be, I I love my mugs. You know, I Mm -hmm. I have a certain mug. It it feels a certain way in my hand. I like how it looks. And you know, that my special tea I have in the morning is like, 
a little ritual. It's like an anchor point in my day and it's very sensory based mm -hmm. and it's huge. I look forward to it so much. I really, really enjoy it. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I don't have to even think about that anymore. It's just what I do. I don't, don't even think about it. It could be the sheets you have, you know, that you choose to have on your bed. Just how do things feel? How do things smell? How do things look? And how does that affect how do you feel calm? Do you feel relaxed? You. What does it do for you? Um, it's huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I really loved this step and found, again, like, majority of the things were really doable. Like you said, like put on clothes that feel nice or let you feel good in. Like, again, it doesn't have to be difficult. These things like, you know, I think it was all very, again, for the hundredth time, very doable. <laughs> <laughs> and the last stage is creative self-care. And I think this is the one that I really struggle with the most. So can you talk about like some of the different strategies and why this one is important? Right. I mean, I think this is the one that often is lagging behind in a lot of us. It just sort of falls off the map. But I think we, as human beings, we really do have this innate sense of wanting to create and express ourselves in some way, shape or form, whether that's through art or, you know, through pho photography or even just reading something or writing what you choose to, to like a recipe, I'm going to try whatever, you know, whatever. <laughs> it doesn't have to be, you know, highbrow art of some sort. Um, mm -hmm. But I think it really, it really nourishes us. And then when we do it in community, then there's that sense of camaraderie and connection. I'm, I love to do musicals. So right now I'm doing, I haven't done one in a, since the pandemic. So I'm, I'm doing a musical with a local theater group and it, it just feels so good you know and yeah. it's just for me um I really enjoy the people there's a sense of belonging and camaraderie and it's just fun pure fun pure creative fun and I I think we need it yes I think we most definitely need it so I I love that you said you were involved in musicals like what what are you doing for the musicals yes well I I've danced since I was a little kid so it's sort of this that little like little kid part of me. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the show is called something rotten and it's just silly and, and fun. And yeah, I mean, and that's a big time commitment, but it, you know, any, anything else, you know, could be, yeah, maybe it, it would be a, a flower arrangement or mm -hmm. I love to go when I'm out on a walk, I'll take my phone and take beautiful photos. It's just like you lose yourself. You just totally, lose yourself and mm -hmm. it's so rejuvenating yeah yeah I, I I like that and I know I keep wanting to uh learn to paint so maybe I can do something like that because I an old co-worker she does like these online paint nights and I thought okay that I you know if I get the supplies together I think I could manage that so yeah because I feel like, I feel like now that I have a child, it, my creativity is sort of dimmed a bit just because of time. But also I feel like, you know, you make time for what's important to you. You know, people always say, I don't have time. It's because it's just not it's important not enough for them. Right. So, yeah. Right. So, like, do we need to do something from each of the eight strategies? I guess strategy is probably a better word than stage. But each of the eight, eight strategies daily like I can see that some things will be a little harder to implement than others but like what do you normally suggest I would say just start small you know just take it take it slow I think change change happens in small increments mm -hmm. or change that's really gonna stick happens in small increments so I would pick something pick one thing you know one area out of the eight that's calling to you and and try something, just okay. one thing. One thing. Just I think one we can thing. all manage. Start small. I think we 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 bite off. I know I do. I always I'm like I'm gonna do all of it. You know, I get <laughs> really big. You know, my eyes are bigger than my stomach, and and then I'm like, oh, I can't now. And then you feel a sense of failure, right? And that's not at all what we want to be doing. So right, it's really about just create making this pleasurable, making it feel fun, 
mm-hmm. making it feel rejuvenating and not uh, not another to do. It should yes. feel like another to do. Yes, exactly. I think just try to like yeah, like you said, just pick one thing. I think we can all pick one thing of the eight strategies and then sort of build from from there. And you know, like like when I was going through them, I what I really liked is it isn't just one thing. Like self-care is more than like just going out or you know, getting our hair done or getting a massage, which are all great. But I think like you've listed like all these different strategies that I, I really feel can be incorporated in our day. Majority are not difficult to do. And, you know, and then eventually, like, I think for me is that it'll just become like a part of my day. Exactly. Exactly. And I think if, if we can always go back and root it in truly you know, that self-compassion, really mm-hmm. honoring ourselves aside from being a caregiver that, you know, there's, there's still us inside, you know, yeah. the, um, and it doesn't mean you're a bad mom to, to focus on yourself or to, you know, you know, we always think we're being selfish or we're being, you know, not a good mom if we do anything that's not completely focused on our kids' well-being. And that's, mm-hmm. that's, I think that really needs to go. <laughs> that, yeah. that paradigm really needs to go because it's, it's not, it's, it's not fair. It's not, and it's not good for our kids. It isn't. Yes. It isn't. Yeah. No, I definitely agree. I, really loved these different eight strategies. Like when I saw this, it was like, this is the bomb, right? And, you know, so where can people find these strategies and how can people find you? Sure. I have, I'm on Instagram. So that might be the easiest way to, to find me. So I'm at Kristen Condon. And I have a link tree in my bio. So if you click on that, you can find my website. You can find a link to this workbook about okay. the, self, the eight types of self-care that's right in there. There's also links to the grief journal. I made a grief journal with questions, some little prompts. Okay. And there's a school survival guide to kind of help you get organized for some of that mental self-care. There's a few little little gifts in there. Free oh, gifts lovely. In there. Plus my website where you can figure out how to work with me if you, if someone wanted to get more one-on-one support to, to bring all of this to, you know, into their lives. Or often what happens too, is people want to do this, but then they realize, oh, I have all these limiting beliefs that are keeping me from actually <laughs> myself. And that's often where the life coach can come in and, and support with that is, figuring out, you know, getting past the guilt, getting past the perfectionism, getting past all these barriers that we put in front of ourselves. Oh, 100%. And it's kristencondon.com. And Correct. it's a slightly different spelling than I've seen. So C-R-I-S-T-I-N-C-O-N-D-O-N.com. Yeah. And we'll put it in the show notes as well. Just, yeah. I just so people know that if they're trying to search that they can find you. So absolutely, that's lovely. And, you know, Kristen, thank you so much for coming on today. And I think really sharing your, your knowledge and about this, like I, it's such an important and such a much needed topic for us moms and parents of kids with, you know, special needs, because we all, I think we all need this. We need more of this. Uh, it's absolutely my pleasure. I'm so happy to be able to provide any support to anybody. It, it doesn't need, you know, we can always make it easier. And I just, I hope people see the hope and, and can do something to help themselves feel better. Wonderful. Yes. I, yeah, 100% agree. And I just, once again, really loved the eight strategies. I thought they were really Awesome. Because I think it's really meant for us moms, like us special needs moms, you know, like, and from someone who gets it, someone who's living it, someone who's walking the same journey as we are. So yeah, thank you so much for that. It was wonderful. Thank you. I got so much out of talking with Kristen. It 
really made me realize that I can really do self-care and that is very doable and very achievable. Check out her Instagram at Kristen Condon. And there's a link there where you can get her, her eight steps, her eight strategies. And I also did her five day declutter challenge, which was awesome. I loved it. Now here are my takeaways. Number one, that we need to look at self-care differently. It's not just about a bubble bath and a good nap. Don't get me wrong. I love those things, but we are long haulers and I feel we have to look at the big picture. It's not just one thing. It's a lot of little things. And Kristen talks how we can do that, how we can do these little things that creates self-care for us. Number two, I found this just so interesting and it really made me think is the elevated cortisol, the stress, it really takes a toll on our bodies and on our hearts and our soul. And it's okay to admit that this is hard. It's okay. You know, I think if we admit to others, you know, in our community that it's hard, like we find solidarity there because we're not alone in this. Number three Yes, we deserve to feel good. We deserve to have joy and pleasure and fun aside from just being a mom. Like we can have our own identity outside of being a mom to our kids. And number four, that being able to see self-care as something that's more holistic and deeper, more varied, it's really, it's just, it's a way of being. And I so love this. And I'm really learning to incorporate self-care in my day-to-day life. It can just be as simple as how am I feeling today? How am I doing today? Because that doesn't take a lot of effort, but that can help you to be centered and really kind of understanding like where you're at, at that moment. Number five, that it's so important to be in touch with our feelings. Like if you're, if you numb the bad feelings, you're also numbing joy, pleasure, you numb all of those good things. And I think this is huge because I think often we can get caught up in just kind of pushing down the hard things that we maybe don't want to think about or causes us a lot of stress and anxiety. But if we numb all that, we can't really open our heart and our minds to things that make us feel good. That brings, that brings us joy. Number six. And I just thought this was big is ask yourself, what have I learned since my child was born? You know, I've often said Ainsley has made me into the person I was always meant to do, meant to be. And I realize I can do hard things. I've learned to stand up for what is right and to, to voice what I believe in and to advocate and to be my daughter's voice. So what have you learned since your, your child was born? You know, just think about that a little bit. And number seven paying attention to how our environment is supporting us or not supporting us. You know, as I mentioned, I did Kristen's five day declutter challenge and it was awesome. I, you know, I went on to Amazon a couple weeks ago because I wanted to organize my drawers in my kitchen and my cupboards. And I completely organized my spice drawer. I love it now. It makes things so easy for me to access. And when I had my family over for Easter, I was showing them all the drawers and they all loved it and said they wanted that. And just simple things like that. It just getting rid of that clutter. It just, it just really kind of is very freeing. And I also started buying myself flowers. I do it about every week and I love it. And as Kristen said, it doesn't have to be a whole bouquet. It could just be one stem. You could even be out for a little walk 
enjoying nature and you could even pick some little flowers, some wildflowers at the side of your path or your road that you're on and just to enjoy the beauty of those flowers. And, you know, just feeling that sense of organization for me has been huge because the clutter, it, the disorganization, it, it causes me a lot of anxiety. So I'm really working on that. And number eight is, you know, start small. Self-care shouldn't be a chore. It's really about making it pleasurable, fun, and making it feel rejuvenating, not another to do, because we all have got a long list of things that we got to do. You know, it can be as simple as just making your bed in the morning. And like I said, you know, buying one stem, just one flower, just to add a little bit of beauty to your environment. So I would love to hear what you thought of this episode, what you got from it, you know, some things that maybe you think you can work on. Let me know. I would like love to hear what you thought of this episode. And like I said, go to Kristen's uh, Instagram. Uh, you can find her at Kristen Condon, also at kristencondon.com. And you can, you can get her eight steps and I, I'm confident that you will love it and really get a lot from it. So thanks again for listening to the T21 Mom podcast. And as always, I would love to hear from you. Let me know what you got out of today's episode. You know, tell me your stories. What's going on in your life? What are your child's wins? What are you working on with your kids? And what's important to you? You can find me at info at t21mom.com or you can also find me on Facebook. I'm also on Instagram and Twitter at trisomy21mama. And it would also really mean a lot to me if you subscribe to the podcast and if you even left a little review and I can give you a little shout out and so that the algorithms can do their thing and make it more are my podcast more searchable for those in the down syndrome community. So keep on loving on your rocking kiddos and I will see you next time. You know-